0: Welcome to the next episode of Trade Secrets. Today we have with us one of my favorite people, Nick Marichal. Now, I promised you guys that I'd talk to engineers and producers and artists, and today we're talking to an artist. So, Nick, it's great to have you here. I'm so happy to have you here for my podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much, <laughs> Candice. You know, I've been looking forward to this over the last week, and um, I thought about when we first met, uh, it was like. Quite a few years ago, like 25 <laughs> years ago, yeah. when you were managing uh, Soundcastle, yeah, and I did my first recording session there with you, yeah, and um, loyalty—you can't was,
0: be loyalty people.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was a great experience. At the time, BB King was there doing a du- duet yeah. w- record with like Marty Stewart oh, and yeah. Bonnie Raitt, and
0: yeah, John Porter was producing that. Yeah, record. that's right, that
1: uh, and. Um, I really dig it, and I kept this as a souvenir oh, well, from that session.
0: Dear listeners, you can't see, but he's giving me a photograph.
1: Well, I'm I'm, I'm showing you, or showing you what I photograph. what I kept from that.
0: Oh, it was session. his parking for BB yeah, King. Yeah, for BB
1: King, I I, <laughs> I I I I swiped it. I told you I swiped it, yeah, and you yes. said cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it says reserved for BB King, and I just oh, thought it was really cool, dude, and I've kept it all so these nice. years. Oh,
0: I love that all right well I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in here too so a lot of times people don't realize how long I've known the people that I'm talking to until we get to the very end of the podcast but so now we know now you know that Nick and I've known each other for a long time but Nick has an interesting story as does everyone and I'm learning so much about the people that I talk to people like Nick that I've known for a really long time I'm learning all kinds of interesting stuff so I, I like to start at the beginning it's you know I I kind of go with the actor's studio approach and just Mm -hmm. let you fill in the blanks. I'll start with where were you born?
1: Santa Monica in the 1950s.
0: Oh, well, you don't have to date yourself. We're we're all 29 here. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I
1: mean, maybe that was a faux pas. Um, (laughs) I grew up in the San Fernando Valley mostly, uh, graduated from high school there. Oh, wow. Uh, um, To begin with in the west end of the San Fernando Valley. Okay. Okay. You would take the Valley Circle exit. Years later, I wrote a song called Valley Circle uh, because most of the girls I dated were out there.
0: Those Uh, of you who aren't Californians or native Los Angelinas, that Valley Circle uh, exit is right by the Mulholland exit as you're going west on the 101 out towards Malibu.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, And uh, it was a great time of my life. I was hitchhiking at the corner of Topanga Canyon and Mulholland Uh, on my way to the beach. It was the summer of 69. And I was picked up by a beautiful girl and uh, changed my life. And I wrote a song about it a bunch of years later.
0: Oh, amazing. Amazing. Well, I mean, I think some people, you know, young people may not realize because they're young, how much your high school years and your elementary school years and just your family life, how much it influences what you will become as you grow. And All the people that you meet along the way and what influences they have on you. So, Nick, what what was your first instrument, or what did you play?
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was guitar. Uh, I had my first guitar when I uh, was fourteen. It was 1968. There I am dating myself again. (laughs) It's all right. And um, it was just great. You know, in the valley there were all these garage bands and bar bands. It was just a wonderful. What kind of guitar was it? It was a Sears Silvertone with Oh, my F brother holes. had that.
0: It, wait, what was the one that had the amp in the guitar case?
1: No, I didn't have that one. You know one. What I'm talking I, about? Yeah, I've, I've seen them. Was that a
0: Silvertone, too? I've, yeah, I think so. I think so. so, yeah. Yeah, you
1: could just go to Sears and buy a guitar. Uh, uh, mom didn't have much money in those days, and so I was really fortunate to have that. And uh, so I started with that.
0: Yeah, tell, uh, us, tell us a little bit about your mom and about about the, you, growing up.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, uh, mom was an interesting person, uh, a farm girl from Minot, North Dakota. Uh, had no father when she left uh, home at 18. Uh, moved to the West Coast, uh, and uh, you know she had various jobs, like she was an airline in those days stewardess. We right. call them stewardesses now, flight attendants. Yep. Um, she. Um, I'm sure was, she
0: was pretty. You can't see Nick, but he's handsome. So I'm sure his mom was good looking. Yeah, I had
1: a, I had the most beautiful uh, mom. Uh, um, I grew up around three mothers. Um, one was a singer named Anita Gordon. She was um, uh, the mother of, uh, uh, of, of that girl I was telling you about. Oh, right, and then okay. the other was Vera Miles, a well-known oh, wow. uh, actress. And uh, so we were really close with her family. Uh, her son lived with us for a while. And, um, and then my mom.
0: Yeah. And
1: they were all beautiful.
0: Yeah, of course they were. It was the 60s. They were yeah. in L.A. You
1: know, and they were all single mothers.
0: Wow, that's that's I, I guess not unusual, probably, but yeah. surprising.
1: Yeah, um, uh, mom raised four boys by herself. Not easy. Yeah. So did Vera. Wow. And Anita Gordon, she uh, raised uh, three on her own.
0: There you go. Yeah, no, crazy. Well, I mean, my parents stay together. God bless them. But uh, I know so many. Pe- I know it's rare. I mean, so many people didn't. But so your mom is busting her butt. She's a single yeah. mom. You, now oh, you're the yeah. oldest. Yes. All right. So you're having to look out for your your brothers while you're trying to figure out your own path, right? Uh,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Dad pulled out of the uh, my father pulled out of the driveway uh, when I was nine and said, "Take care of your mom and your brothers." Uh, that was a little bye. <laughs> yeah. And, Thanks, Dad. Uh, that was kind of it.
0: Is he uh, is he gone though?
1: Yes, he is. Yeah,
0: okay. Well, good. He won't hear the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, no, but I, I lost my father at an early age, and I know how much oh, it can gee. affect you. I was the youngest, but uh, and he was great. My dad was great. Uh, World War II vet, et cetera. But I know how that can affect you, and I'm sure you keenly felt the responsibility of being the oldest boy and looking out for your mom and for your brothers. I'm sure you took it to heart when he
1: said Yeah, I, I mean, it was just one of those things where family members would say, look out after your brothers yeah, and that yeah. sort of
0: thing. Well, you had to grow up kind of fast in that situation. Well, I did. Yeah. Yeah, so so you're hitchhiking and everything's okay. Yep. <laughs> you're playing guitar. Yep. Uh, now what was Anita's daughter's name? A uh, Sagan. What was the, Anita Gordon's daughter's name?
1: Uh Vicky. Vicki oh, Sheets. Right. Oh Vicky Sheets. Vicki okay. and uh, she had a twin sister named Patty uh they were beautiful they had an older sister named linda uh their uh father dale sheets uh was an agent oh okay he managed uh, mel torme i think for like 30 years or something but other but actors as well
0: so you're playing guitar you're living the california dream you're Mm -hmm. surfing you got beautiful girlfriends yeah you know your mom is busting her butt so she's probably not around that much to sort of Oversee yeah, Nick behavior. Heart. Yeah, well. <laughs> but you were probably a good kid.
1: I was mostly a good kid. I mean, I had some, uh, you know, moments like when I rolled my car. Oh, that's not uh, good. What, what happened there? Not far from Malibu Canyon. Ouch. I was just, you know. Uh, I liked uh, cars. I was racing my car. What kind of car, car was it? It was a Chevy Vega.
0: Oh, oh! my parents had one of those. I drove one of those into a ditch.
1: Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> so I put mine on a, on its roof. Oh, I Lord. was driving in Cold Canyon, not far from where Albert Lee lives I today. know
0: exactly where that it's is. It's this
1: Montenito area.
0: Yeah, between Canaan and Malibu Canyon. Uh,
1: yeah, Payuma Road Yes, and I know exactly. M-Mohan I have Highway. friends that live off of that road. You know, it's a very windy yeah. uh, road, and I was driving over my head like an idiot. Uh I'm, I'm uh, very fortunate. Yeah, to those are have...
0: hairpin turns, but not deep ditches. So
1: Yeah. Well, I just went up the Did side of a, a mountain. I went, no, nah, uh, you know, they have to cut out uh, uh, the hills and mountains to make room for the road. Yeah. And I uh, went up this embankment oh, and then gotcha. the car was uh, airborne and landed on its Randomly, roof.
0: Randomly, I have some friends that are musicians that live off of Cold Canyon, off of Payuma. Uh, yeah victoria and alfonso rodenas have a band called the blue dolphins they're amazing i have to let you know when they're playing but they live right off of that road so that's funny that you would say that um so now nick's in high school nick's playing guitar we've we've skipped from 14 to 18 folks so Nick's, nick's in high school he's playing guitar and what did you think you were gonna do or what was happening that senior year in high school like what was what was Nick what were Nick's plans
1: yeah well um, (laughs) I intended to be a guitar player I was taking lessons from a great guitar player named Ted Green he was writing books at the time and uh, you know a few years ago I was uh, playing guitar at uh, Westwood music and I was playing an American Standard Song like uh, Song of the South. It might have been Autumn Leaves. Oh, wow. And uh, in walks uh, Kenny Burrell. And oh. he says, that sounds good. So that made my day. Oh. And I told him that, uh, yeah, I learned this from Ted Green. He said, Ted Green was a great guitar player.
0: Oh, amazing. Yeah.
1: And uh, and and Ted really was.
0: Oh, I mean, he must have been good if he was writing books about it. And I'm sure he was a great teacher.
1: There was a, yeah, he was, uh, uh, there was... Uh, an obituary in the L.A. Times after he passed away um, at kind of a young age. And it, uh, I think the headline was um, the Encyclopedia of Guitar.
0: He Aww. was just so
1: knowledgeable.
0: Oh, He that's... was
1: great. I mean, he could take an American songbook um, um, number and play it in the style of Bach.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: I mean, holy mackerel. Yeah. I had mean, never seen anything like that.
0: Before or since. In all of my years of working in studios, the only, and I know a lot of great guitar players, we all do, but the only person I've ever seen do that, specifically do that, actually, is uh, the kid Muse. Uh, uh, What's his last name? Is it Bellamy? I can't remember his name. Matthew Bellamy. Yeah. Play a Bach fugue on the guitar. Like, just crazy. So good. Really good. But yeah, that's... That's knowing what you're doing if you're doing
1: that. <laughs> oh, he was brilliant. Yeah, and no, a- and, a, and a very um, uh, modest person. He was a great teacher. Uh, when I uh, signed up to get lessons, I had to wait about six months uh, for an opening. Wow! Even back then, wow. it was at the Ernie Ball guitar store on Topanga Canyon Boulevard in Canoga Park.
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we deal with Ernie Ball now. I think they're up in the Central Coast now. But uh, all right, so. You're, you're in high school. What's happening for Nick's senior year? What, what is what is going on when Nick turns 18? You want to be a guitar player. You're taking lessons at yeah. Ted Green. School okay, so that, ends.
1: Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> school ends. I'm still 17. Oh, yeah. um, uh, I uh, uh, lost my girlfriend at the time, Aww. another beautiful girl, and uh, I thought about going to college. Uh, instead, I moved out. With a band.
0: Oh, there you go. I started go.
1: living with guys in the band. What was the name of that band? I don't remember.
0: Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Uh,
1: but it was w- uh, with my cousin, Peter Marichal. Oh, okay. Um, he was uh, kind of a big brother to me. When it, He knew the guitars. He had the Fenders and Gibsons and Vox amplifiers and Fender amplifiers. And he, oh, wow. he showed me. I, uh, I really, uh, uh, I think... Uh, um, understood things much faster because he was mentoring me right and we we're playing in a band together
0: oh, that's so awesome having yeah. someone that close to you that can help you along yeah so so school ends you're going to be a guitar player you go you live move out you're yeah. living with this band do you do like regional tours with those guys
1: no i was uh working at a um a factory and then we play at night we didn't have what many kind of gigs factory? um It was called Golf Craft, and that's where they made Titleist Golf Clubs. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was in Escondido, California. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a bit of a track. Yeah. And so after (laughs) – well, you know, but it was a good life. I mean, uh, uh, there was a lot of open space back in those days. Mm -hmm. We could live cheap. Yeah. Uh,
0: Things weren't as developed as they are, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: carpet development afterwards, Uh, the – the place looks totally different today. Uh, eventually, I got a notion to go back uh, to school, and so I went to community college. Oh, okay. I moved to- back up to San Fernando Valley. Did you
0: go to Valley College?
1: I went to Pierce. Oh,
0: Pierce. Okay, right.
1: And then I went to Santa Monica. Oh. And Was uh, it just
0: general study at that point?
1: Uh, I had a notion uh, to go into uh, engineering or science, I was still playing in bands, you know, like bar bands, horn bands, cover bands. And um, once I uh, uh, started at UCLA, that was in uh, 1977, uh, I discovered that everybody there was smarter than me and I really needed to study.
0: I doubt that's true, you guys. Nick is really a smart guy. Now, what about like... Financial aid at that. Well, I guess if you're a California resident, UCLA is a state-supported school, but
1: well, the uh, tuition was very low in those days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and um, okay, so I know I the city call
0: i know the city colleges and the smaller junior they were colleges are
1: very inexpensive.
0: Yeah, inexpensive or free almost, yeah, except for books.
1: And, and really, I got a second chance at uh, academics through the community college system. Uh, I wasn't a particularly good student in high school. I was an average student. Mm. And I applied to UCLA back in those days. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I was rejected to begin with. <laughs> oh, you know, whoa. they probably looked at my transcripts and saw a, a lot of Cs. Or your SATs. Yeah. Well, yeah um, and and so when I applied the second time, my SATs were rejected. Uh, Pretty good, yeah. And um, I was uh, taking courses and getting good grades. I'm guessing
0: you're heavy on the math side. Yeah, I on the SAT. I I had a perfect score on the on the sort of the more the English side uh of the test. I had really high score on my SAT, but but on the but on the math side and the other side, it was not so much. Yeah. (laughs) But I still had a good score. I got into school for sure. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. so how old were you when you went to UCLA?
1: I was kind of a late bloomer i was um 21.
0: Oh, okay that's, so. not, that's not that's
1: not 22. That well you know i was you know doing the band thing for right, a while right, right.
0: i went to college for seven years so yeah, yeah. You,
1: you, well, i was you, at ucla you, for quite a few years
0: good company yeah. so um what uh aspect of engineering did you go into like what did you finally sort of fine-tune your major down to
1: yeah thanks i uh, graduated from UCLA a few times. Uh, ultimately, oh, a few times. Uh, yeah. Uh, ultimately, in 1986, I graduated with a Ph.D. in mathematics.
0: Wow.
1: I went to work for a small – So it's Dr.
0: Comp- Nick Marischal. Thank you well, very much. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, uh,
1: went to work for a, a smaller corporation uh, when I graduated. I had th- basically three job interviews – one at Hughes Aircraft Company, one at the Aerospace Corporation, and then smaller company called Aerotech. Uh, Aerotech had about 120 people.
0: My dad yeah. worked for Hughes Aircraft.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah,
0: right. When he first got out of school. that
1: was a great place to work. Yeah, uh, for a lot of years. I think
0: when I, I think he worked there when I was born, and then got a job at Lockheed, like uh, when I was one or something. I bet
1: your dad was really smart.
0: He reminds you remind me of my dad oh, actually a, a lot. Yeah. He was he was a super smart guy. Um, kind of late bloomer, you know, met my mom when he was 33, mm. you know, World War II vet and had four kids. Boom, 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 boom.
1: <laughs> That's a great, <laughs> there, there great you go. story. Yeah, no, he was awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, but he would build my brother. My brothers are all musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and my two oldest brothers, my oldest brother is a guitar player still. Blues guitar player plays all the time. He's living back in our hometown in Charleston. And my second mm-hmm. oldest brother, Steve, who is a great engineer and who teaches engineering in Seattle, uh, is it was a bass player so my father they would tour around the southeast and my father would build their he built their speakers I mean he built like he built amps and stuff like he built oh, all he kinds of stuff for that because we couldn't mm-hmm. you know they couldn't afford to I mean they had nice guitars they had SG's I remember that my brother had an SG because that I was my on,
1: first electric guitar was yeah I strong.
0: sat on the neck of my brother's SG when I was six and snapped the neck I'll never forget that as long as I live I felt so terrible <laughs> but uh but got that fixed and uh, but, yeah, he would he would drive them around, and they would do, like, when they were teens, like, under 18, they would play all these naval bases all around the southeast, like Buford and Georgia and South Carolina. Anyway. Right. But, yeah, you do remind me of my dad in all those good ways, and he was a smart guy, and you're a smart guy. So – I mean, people might think that science and engineering are far removed from musical talent, but you have to remember that music is kind of math, to be honest. I mean, it kind of is. In
1: in various ways. I mean, like, for example, um, uh, there's an equation for a wave equation for a vibrating string. So that's math and physics. Yeah. And um, uh, it's... It's, I mean BPM. Inter-
0: I mean everything is pretty much it's, correlates it's, to some sort of numeric.
1: Yeah, but there's another aspect of it. Uh, I was interviewed uh, uh, by UCLA's student paper called the Daily Bruin, and I said, you know, there is a a, a, a good amount of uh, you learn techniques, and then you apply those techniques in different situations. It's uh, you see a situation, and and you recognize a pattern, and you can apply. Something you already know Mm -hmm. to that pattern, and you do that in math. You do that in music. Yeah, you know, like I play guitar licks. I might play, you know, a guitar lick I used in, you know, some song a bunch of years ago, in another song today. Right. And and, but I recognize uh, that I can apply. I mean, there's only so many chords. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, rock, rock and roll gets a bad rap, but I, I think people need to remember what Nick's saying here is that you can have the same situation and apply it in different ways. And that's I think that's also where feel comes in, which isn't necessarily mathematics. I mean, that's where feel and there's an artistic and aspect
1: of music.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but I have to say that uh, in mathematics, people do, who do it at a high level. Uh, they'll talk about a beautiful theorem,
0: right? Like and it, the proof, yeah. Because it's art know, as well, and
1: uh, they they really are uh, artists in a, in that sense, right? Uh, uh, the passion, the dedication, right? Um, the it's it's an intellectual pursuit, but so is music.
0: Um, one of the things I was starting to say, and in, in, applies to what you're saying about art, music, math, everything. I'll be saying I. I'm a relatively intelligent person, but I grew, up in a, I grew up in a family of musicians and my husband's a really wonderful guitar player and he's given me a couple of guitars and for the life of me, I cannot, I, I can't even hold the guitar properly. Like, like I, it feels so foreign to me in my hands and in my arm and when I try to press my fingers on the strings, I I might still attempt and I'm going to keep trying to get it down because he bought me a beautiful Framus, which is a, vintage uh, acoustic guitar it's a little bit smaller and then he got me a a nice electric guitar too so I'm just kind of like and he's got incredible guitars but every night my husband falls asleep with his guitar in his hands he plays every day and I mean I just my brothers were the same way my mom was an artist you know all three of my brothers played instruments we had a piano in the house growing up and there were, my brother took violin lessons. And my mom said to me when I was young, like I was probably six or seven, you know, and I could peck out like, you know, Silent Night or something on the piano. But she said to me, do you want piano lessons? Do you want an inst- to, to learn an instrument? I said, no, that's what they do.
1: Yeah. Because well, <laughs> it
0: was what my brothers did. And, it, and I just I just didn't have an, a, a proclivity for it.
1: Well, it... it...
0: I in did your understand. case,
1: it was probably a matter of having the interest or not. Yeah. Uh, because you're very smart, and there's no question that if you started out early, you'd have the feel today. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure your husband started playing. <laughs> he was like 10. Yeah. Yeah, a- like and, you. He was young. You know I, was, I was, you know, I started in 1968, and I've been playing all these years and— yeah. Um,
0: so it's second nature. Point,
1: it gets to be second nature, but it's still a, a challenge. You know, I play with really good musicians. Dude, you hire and, the best? And I, yeah, thanks for we that. We have to give and a shout really out are. to all
0: your players. Now, let's mention some of the people that play on your sessions. And we're fortunate that Nick comes and records at East West. He records at other studios too, but I, I love that he comes here because he always brings a list guys. Now, tell us who's playing in your current lineup.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, we have. Um, Uh, Greg Matheson on B3. Amazing. Okay, he's great. Uh, We have Quinn Johnson on piano. I mean, he's world class. Uh, uh, I get a big smile on uh, my face when I'm uh, driving in the car listening to uh, 88.1, K-Jazz, and I'm hearing... quinn johnson right. as an artist in his own right yeah uh and 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 he play he does sessions and he's a musical director for this or that person Um, He's just very talented. Now, you have Uh, people
0: play on the sessions. Do do all the people who play on your sessions play with you in your live shows or not necessarily? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Who's your drummer? Uh,
1: John Ferraro. Oh, right. Of course. uh, 2003, we uh, first met each other uh, in the recordings uh, studio. Um, I I called John Ferraro because Lee Scalar says, call him. Oh, nice. Yeah. In that session, I had Mike Finnegan. I, I met Lee Scalar through Mike Finnegan. Bless his heart. But, you know, we love lost him so much. We lost Brother uh, Finnegan last yeah. year. Uh, and... Um, and those two guys, they play. In fact, my first session with you at Soundcastle was with scholar and Finnegan.
0: I remember playing basketball with Mike the, uh, when that was he, happening. He was such a great guy, and
1: <laughs> and, and they treated me uh, like a peer, even though uh, I wasn't one. I'm still not up at their level. I uh, uh, they were just really great to me. I and, mean, and,
0: I I think a lot of people don't realize if you and if um, those of you who are listening to this podcast, like like I said, I try to talk to all different people in every different line of the music business and something that people need to know is that the session players are for hire (laughs) i mean these people that you see on every record back in the day you know you had the wrecking crew guys that played on every album and you still today have a similar thing where you know that lee Sklar will be on bass or josh Fries or Ferraro will be on drums or, your, or you know, Dean Parks. Or Dean song Parks, guitar. you know, or bass yeah. players. You've got, you know, all these incredible bass players, yeah. incredible drummers, you know, Matt Chamber. There's so many. So if those of you who are listening, if I don't mention, don't be upset. Yeah. But there's so, so many. And I think people think, and it's so cool that you realize, like, hey, I've got this career. I'm, I'm an engineer. I've got a family. But I love music, and I want to get back into playing music. So I'm going to hire people. To play on my record, and I'm going to go in, and I'm going to record my records, and I'm going to hire the best guys.
1: Um, I've always gravitated to the best in the business. Yeah. In the engineering world, I worked with pioneers. I mean, they were just giants, and you pull up to their level. Yeah, Uh, and uh, I
0: agree. uh, I I, that's
1: what I've done here as well. Uh, But just to kind of fill uh, uh, finish with the band. Oh yeah. uh, So uh, so it's Greg Matheson, Quinn Johnson, uh, John Ferraro. Uh, We have Travis Carlton on bass. Right. Uh, Before that, Andrew Ford was with me for four years. Okay. And uh, uh, Bob Glob. Did a session with us uh, when Nico Bolas was uh, producing me and engineering and um, I love Nico he's a brother Um, and and he and he still mixes my songs and
0: um, I'm gonna see him in New York next week I'm looking forward to seeing him actually I'm going to the AS convention with Paul and Nico reached out was kind enough he kind of was the one who made me decide to go is that right yeah cuz he texted me and he's like are you gonna go and I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna go and then I'm like you know what, I'm going to go. He's like, you should go. We all have to support, because we want to support each other. Uh, It's a convention of pro audio that's happening in New York, those of you who are listening. It's different from NAM, which is more musical instruments. Mm -hmm. AES is more pro audio gear, so like console manufacturer, speaker manufacturer. But all the engineers are there. And Nico, God bless him, he's a genius.
1: And Sweetie Pie. And and he took me under his wing uh, around 2015 and – uh, gave me my, uh, you might say, uh, uh, second shot at this, and I've been doing it uh, since then. Wow. Uh, and, uh, in fact, we had fun last weekend when we opened for the Spinners
0: oh, at that, the Canyon I'm Club. Oh, I'm so sorry I missed that show. How did the show go?
1: It went great. You know, it's just a lot of fun. What
0: venue was it?
1: Uh, the Canyon Club I in Agoura.
0: Love that place.
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, we'll be back there again uh, next month, opening for Albert Lee.
0: I'll be at that show.
1: That's Can't so wait. cool. And Albert yeah. Lee
0: and Albert Lee. No 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 flies on Albert. I mean, he's amazing. You well, know, I've I,
1: opened for him a few times before and it's just fun every time.
0: I got to see him quite a few times, met him many times, but I got to see him a few times playing with the Everly brothers. Yeah. When they were still touring and he was on the road with them. Uh-huh. So amazing. Um so I think we've kind of glossed over. We haven't really gotten to here. So so you were interviewed for the three jobs, and I interrupted you. You interviewed uh-huh. for the three jobs. So it was Hughes Aircraft. Uh-huh. Uh, Air-tay?
1: Um, Air-tay. Airtay? That's the company I hired in with. And then oh, the okay. Aerospace Corporation. Oh, the
0: Aerospace. Did you ever work for JPL?
1: I've worked with the guys okay, at, at JPL. Okay, but never at JPL. Well, I've been up there yeah. at the lab a bunch of times. You see, when I went to work for the Aerospace Corporation, which is a federally funded research and development center, it's a nonprofit corporation that was started about 1960 or 61 to help the Air Force, now Space Force, um, acquire rockets and satellites and the ground systems that you need. Uh, And uh, uh, so uh, uh, the Aerospace Corporation is, you know, uh, an Air Force or Space Force oriented Do they still exist? And oh, yeah, okay. they're going strong. It's a great company. Oh. And uh, and JPL is a NASA uh, Got or organization. It. So they work together all and the time. And so um, uh, it was great. Uh, working with the guys at, at JPL uh, in in the subject area of of radar, radar imaging, and uh, they would bring us into NASA projects, and we would bring them into Air Force projects. Oh, cool! And uh, some of the guys still work there. Uh, so the em- stuff you
0: the stuff you did. Not t- sorry to interrupt. The oh, stuff please. you did was it for like government? Con- it was all for the Air Force.
1: Uh, And other government uh, uh, folks, sure. Okay.
0: What was your uh, sort of your focus, or did you switch around? Was it radar or was Uh, it?
1: Yeah, I I worked uh, in uh, uh, radar imaging. It's known as synthetic aperture radar. Uh, It's an important kind of uh, sensor system because it's day, night, all weather. Gotcha. uh, Where if it's an optical system, uh, basically, a telescope if you're looking down at the ground. Yeah, then uh, you you're can at the mercy ab- of the weather. Yeah, you, it's obscured by clouds, yeah. smoke, whatever. Uh, at night, you don't get much, um, uh, and uh, you can do things with um, uh, uh, radar imagery um, that um, uh, is unique to radar imagery Got data it. products. That so you,
0: so you, you, you get out of UCLA, you get this cool job, and. We know you have a wife and children. So when did you meet your wife?
1: Well, when we were young, uh, I met Arlene uh, when I was a lead guitar player in the band, and she was dating the sax player. (laughs) And um, he would bring her to band practice, and I said, wow, who is this? And next thing you know, uh, Arlene uh, switched
0: boyfriends. There you go. There you go. So... Now, were you guys together? Uh oh, I know you were together when you yeah. graduated with your with your doctorate, but were you together when you were doing your undergrad? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. We
1: moved in with each other and Wow. Uh,
0: got two kids.
1: Yes. Gotcha. Two beautiful kids.
0: Nice. So you so Arlene's in so Arlene's in early and in for the long haul. God yep. bless her. Yes. So what did she do for a living? Did she work? Yes.
1: Uh uh she um Uh, Helped run an electrical contracting company, and after that, she uh, uh, worked for a company called Helmet House, Um, and then she worked for a uh, special effects um wizard or legend named stan winston oh, that's stan cool. winston stan won uh or received oscars for like jurassic park wow uh he
0: uh and this is somewhat Terminator. prior to cgi this is like real effects
1: well he yeah they are like the uh the animatronics uh the right. the dinosaurs like in robotic. jurassic park yeah, oh, cool. yeah uh, that what came out of Stan Winston Studios. He also started a, a company called Digital Domain. Oh, I with know. With IBM domain. and Cameron.
0: Yeah, James Cameron.
1: Uh, uh, and I can't believe we, we never talked digital. about this.
0: I had a really good friend who was high up at Digital Domain. She's since passed away, but she took me to the um she took me to the premiere of Titanic on the Queen Mary. Yeah. Which was crazy. But people probably don't realize You know, they look at a movie like Titanic, and I don't know if they're thinking special effects, but there were a lot of special effects in Titanic. I think a lot of the
1: ocean was. was,
0: Yeah, the uh, ocean, the ship, a lot of that stuff. But James Cameron is certainly, I mean, with Avatar, man, what a, a pioneer also. So I'm sure those two together, him and Stan Winston, that just sounds like. Craziness.
1: Yeah, uh, Stan passed away uh, quite a few years ago now, and and um, uh, Cameron Schwarzenegger and Spielberg gave eulogies Aww. for for Stan. It was just uh, it was a very sad thing, uh, but Stan was a great artist. He could you know sit. Yeah, here like and a freehand artist. Yeah, he could like draw your portrait and it look perfect. Um, you know. You know Stan
0: was, Lee, the comic book guy, right? The mm. the guy who did all the the. Is it Marvel? I think he's Marvel. Uh He also, artist, crazy, you know, just freeform, amazing, obviously, if you look at comic books, but people don't think about that now when they see the movies and stuff like that. They don't realize it all started because this guy could sketch or these people could draw freehand. You know, commercial art. My mom was a commercial artist pre-computers, so I would see things like that. Like, my mom was a great painter and a great artist, but this is before computers, you know, so she would have to do, like, posters and like use overhead projectors and all kinds of crazy stuff and this is you know you didn't have a copy machine or a printer in your house in the yeah, 60s you had to be
1: good <laughs> it's like the music yeah, business yeah, yeah, before auto-tune yeah. and things like that you very know? similar actually yeah. that's
0: a good analogy so how long did you work for the aerospace company
1: i was with them for 30 years oh
0: wow yeah do you consult or are you on a board or well like i was
1: that? um I uh uh left full time work there, uh and then I was with them for the last five years uh with a consultant status. Mm-hmm. But I turned in my badge in twenty eighteen.
0: Oh. Was that, that bittersweet?
1: One. Well, it was time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it's
1: time for me to do
0: other. When well, was t- yeah, it was time for you to get back and do do music full time. That's what I'm doing, baby. Yeah, that's the plan. So, well, Nick isn't very old, by the way. We keep making it sound like we're all yeah. ancient or whatever. It's <laughs> it's not true. He's he's fine. He's got a lot. He's got a lot <laughs> left in him. I can tell you that right now. So um, oh, very generous. I know, mean, <laughs> it's true. Um, so. New songs, new projects. When I come to see you next month, am I going to hear new material? What am I going to hear?
1: Well, uh, sure. I'm, I'm thinking about working in a, a song actually that we recorded here not that long ago um, uh, that I wrote called uh, For the Last Time Again. Okay. Uh, it's kind of an American songbook-oriented um, gotcha. thing. Gotcha. Uh, one thing I've been doing... Uh, uh, in the last five years, is embracing that which uh, I uh, uh, thought of as being my parents' generation's right. music.
0: Oh no, I'm with you, dude. Uh, I listened to yeah. I listened to Deboue yesterday, you know, doing those kinds of songs, like classic songs or torch songs or whatever you want to call it, Sinatra yeah. style, even big band stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we
1: do Angel Eyes, speaking of Frank Sinatra, oh, uh, in the middle of our uh, show, um, and and then originals, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, I, uh, at the end of the show, I do uh, the song Valley Circle. You know, we kind of talked about yeah, the yeah. girls out there. Uh, the second to last song is called Edge of a Ledge. I was thinking of my—that's uh, a, a song that—it's um, an— everybody's going through something song and I thought about mom raising four boys by herself with the hair falling out on the foot because of financial pressures and stuff like that when I wrote the second verse and uh, so I've got a a mix of songs but uh, we really just go out to have fun and um, uh, and we do
0: and the feedback that you get from the crowd I think I've talked to a lot of artists about this I know a lot of artists who are actually really really shy and, and people that you wouldn't think that would have stage fright that are actually very shy. But there's something that happens. There's something that clicks when they're performing and they look out into the audience. I mean, first of all, if the lights are shining on you, you can't see that many people. But when you look out into the audience and you get that feedback, you get that emotional response from the crowd, which just sort of propels you. You know what I mean? And I think that's the joy there's of a, performing.
1: There's a feedback there. Yeah, it's a uh, give and
0: take thing happening. Yeah.
1: And and as it feeds back to you, you get you you like want to do even better. You know, you yeah. want you know, they're giving back and so you want to give more.
0: Yeah, you, yeah, I think you get energized and it propels you. I um I can't wait to hear your new stuff by the way and your old yeah. stuff. Yeah. So when you write, when you're writing, I know people have different ways of doing it. Uh, I know a lot of people, my husband tends to write melody and draw a melody on a guitar and do lyrics. After, I mean, every song is different. Mm-hmm. But do lyrics after? Some people use piano when they write. Some people use guitar when they write. I mean, when you're at home, or do you work out your songs on a guitar or a piano? Or
1: um, sometimes the lyrics come first. Right. Sometimes the uh, guitar, the chords, uh, uh, comes first. Uh, uh, this uh, song I uh, uh, wrote in the last couple years for the last time again it started off uh, with uh, guitar chords yeah like a riff yeah and and, um, so I did it that way on that song but other songs it starts with the lyrics gotcha and then I build music around i mean i have some nominal melodies kind of floating around in my head right that i'm writing the lyrics like to mm-hmm. uh and then i just integrate in the guitar after that
0: yeah i mean i i since i'm not a musician for me obviously i like to write so for me it would be definitely like i write poems and things like that and i was talking to my husband he was I don't know if he ever will but was considering maybe taking some of the things that I've written and turning them into songs but everything is autobiographical I mean we cannot we don't uh, I mean some people write pop songs that have nothing to do with them but for the most part everybody I know every song is a cathartic uh, you know autobiographical experience you know it's we pull from what we know we pull from what's happened to us and the people that we've met and uh, you know for me I always tell the staff when they're learning the craft of engineering here, I always tell them, look, it's, you know, you are responsible for capturing what the musicians are playing. You're responsible for capturing the best audio you can. But the truth of the matter is without the song and without the song and the emotion that the song elicits, we have nothing to capture. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we can capture sound. We can capture anything that someone hits or bangs or strums, but for it to really all go together, you know, and I always call it a mix of art and science, and I think you'd agree, engineering is much an art as as a science. I have great respect for recording engineers, and I know you do as well. So Mm -hmm. here you are, and you write the song, and if if the song doesn't touch something in you, something human inside of you, it's probably not a great song. Even if it's a pop song, even if it's a light song, I'm not putting down pop music, I'm just saying, if it doesn't strike a nerve somewhere, you know, whether it makes you want to dance, or it makes you think, or it takes you back to a memory, for me, music takes me back, it's like smell, you know, like it takes you back, like, you know, oh, I was, you know, I remember hearing the Beatles for the first time, I was like five. You know, or dancing to twist and shout. My mom would always make me dance in front of her friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make you do the twist. Yeah, you know, something like that. I was doing that too. They had one of those consoles. Did you have one of those consoles in your house when you were growing up? Where it was a, it was a TV and it had speakers that folded out, and the TV was behind it, and then the turntable popped down, flopped down. It was a console. Right. There were some that were like dust, and there was. I others vertical. I remember those. We,
1: did, we yeah. just had a black and white TV, uh, and then our record player was like a standalone unit. It was like a little briefcase, and you'd flip up oh, the Oh, I love those. I have and, a... and, and, and so we would listen to like chubby checker and... so like
0: a portable one almost yeah I, my yeah, friend brought what, over yeah. one of those not long ago you can
1: play 45s yeah my
0: friend brought over one that was specifically just 45s in a suitcase like you would take to the beach yeah. with your friends and i was flipping out because i remember the first 45s i bought I were the first ones i bought and i was you know the youngest was uh i remember i bought beatles you know and i think let it be was on one side and what was on the f- other side of let it be i have to look that up somebody's listening and i'm sure you know the answer yeah but there was like you know revolution get back all those things and you always remember the a and the b side right and now when i play albums because i play albums a lot now i i I think they're so short you know you got to flip it over in 22 minutes you know or or 24 minutes you're like man it was so short i've been listening to a lot of astrid Gilberto lately I'm a huge fan of Joel Gilberto, Astrid Gilberto and Joe Beam and like mm-hmm. Brazilian jazz. And I never listen. I think my mom must to listen to it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it was it's, it's that thing that we're talking about where it strikes a chord and hits a memory, you know? But it was
1: great music at the time. There oh was a Brazilian thing going on in the 60s. Oh, dude so amazing you know, Brazil 66 and 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 uh,
0: when well, uh, I think the story is that she, you know and her husband was so famous you know Joao which means Johnny was so famous and she supposedly the story is and I'm sure people listening can correct me but she did a scratch vocal for the girl from Ipanema like they it? didn't even really know in the beginning uh-huh. they didn't know that she was gonna be this amazing singer I think I mean I could have this all blown, but this is what Mm -hmm. I read. But was that she was there, and and sort of just stepped in and did this scratch vocal, and then I think Stan Getz or whoever else was there was like, "Holy crap!" Like (laughs) she's got an amazing voice, and Mm -hmm. then she sort of you know became a star in her own right. But um, yeah, God bless. God bless all this stuff. So that stuff that you hear when you're a kid. So like you were talking about songs, quote unquote, from the American Songbook or your parents' generation or whatever. What was your mom listening to? That's a question.
1: Um they were uh playing record albums, uh mainly the musicals. Right. So Oklahoma. Right. Um uh, The Music Man. Okay, so my mom calls Bonnie Bons, Raitt it, yeah. John
0: Rate's little girl. Because John Raitt yeah. was was the performer for Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, my mom was friends with John Raitt. Oh wow. And, and uh uh, yeah, my mom wouldn't know who Bonnie Raitt right. is, right? Yeah,
0: my mom would be like, "Oh, this is that John, Raitt. John Raitt's oh, little John girl?" Raitt.
1: Yeah, I know, Joey. He's great. Yeah, he's <laughs> a great guy, you know.
0: Yeah, I remember. I think my mom had the um, she had the soundtrack for the movie Cleopatra with Liz Taylor. Uh huh. And that's an yeah. impressive soundtrack. I have to dig that one up and get it out there. But we, we we're all such a, a combination of the influences of what we hear when we're kids, and I think that this applies. To as you go through your whole life and you listen to music, like I was saying, something will strike a, a nerve, you know, and you'll realize like, wow, that sounds like this. Or that sounds like something I heard when I was younger, you know, and even like Zeppelin and stuff like that. Like, you know, that's those sound like blues songs. Those are, were blue. Those yeah. are blues songs. Yeah. Like Led Zeppelin one And the Stones, Zeppelin. Even the Who. But a lot of those I love British Invasion in general. And I, all those bands, they loved, you know, the, the Delta Blues players.
1: They loved the blues players. Yeah. They loved Motown. Yeah. Early Motown. Oh yeah. And uh they absorbed it. Uh some of it they covered it. Yeah.
0: Some of uh, it they stole. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. And
1: and uh but it, in, in some ways, they would make it their own thing, oh, yeah. and they would own it.
0: I think the Stones did that really well. Sure. You know, I I, I love the Stones, and I love the bluesy nature. And I think Keith Richards is a—I don't think people really—maybe he does get his credit, but he certainly get credit. He's a really good guitar player, as he's, is Ronnie Wood.
1: He's my favorite Rolling Stone.
0: He, he's really cool, actually, by the way. Yeah. He's a super nice guy. Yeah. I've had the good fortune uh-huh. of working with him a few times. But—and um, and the Stones in general— uh, God rest Charlie Watts great drummer yeah but I'll, so when we're talking about people influencing each other it never really ends and, and I think it's great that it doesn't end you know what I mean it's awesome
1: Well I, I, uh, for me it's a, a matter it's kind of a lifestyle uh, of continuous learning yeah and uh, sure why not learn from them absorb it yeah and and incorporate it uh, that's what we do in mathematics. Yeah. That's what we do in science, physics. Yeah. I astronomy.
0: mean, a few years ago, I had the great fortune of, I was at the Grammys and Patti LaBelle, uh, came out and did a performance and Christina Aguilera was there. And I, I can't remember everybody else that was there, like pink, or whatever everybody else was there. Uh-huh. And they all just re- I think she was doing Lady Marmalade. But anyway, I think they all just you could see it had no, it made, music is the great equalizer, you know what I mean? Art in general, because it didn't have anything to do with the generational differences or anything else. You know, one person's 70, one person's 20, you know, it made no difference. And that was one of the things I was going to tell you, I don't, I was going to ask you when you were growing up in the Valley and you're talking about like cool bars and stuff like that, when I was growing up. At the time, I didn't like it growing up in Charleston, South Carolina. I, I love Charleston, but I it was weird to me when you would go into a club and there would be people that were 20 and people that were 70. Now, people that grew up in the U.K. going to the local pub, that's normal for them, uh-huh. right? But for me growing up, I was like, well, I want to go to the place where the other teenagers are. You know, I want to go. I don't want to be around, like, the the older people. Now I think it's awesome. Yeah. Now, now I go back to visit and I go to a waterfront bar and I see someone who's 20, and I see someone who's 70, and I think, oh, this is great, you know what I mean? But uh, was it like that here in California? Was it kind of a mix, or did was it a little more separated? Um,
1: it was a little bit more separated. I yeah. mean, by, uh, you know, like when I was going to the Whiskey A Go-Go, mm. they had great bands or artists in there. I saw John McLaughlin and the Mahavishnu Orchestra there. I saw... Um, uh, ZZ Top there before they, you know, right after dude, I love their first... ZZ Top. You know, uh, it, it was really, I, you know, uh, you Eric have to Burden. Check,
0: you ha- oh, I love the animals. You have to... I saw, Eric Burden played at the Viper Room like 10 years ago. Did he? And, and Tony Bronigal, who's a drummer, uh-huh. who's a dear friend of mine, who's uh-huh. a producer, who played with Bonnie Raitt, coincidentally. Uh-huh. He's a producer, and he produced Eric's record. Oh. And, dude, Eric was probably... And he, he's come here a few times, but he uh-huh. was probably like... He must have been almost 70 then. Dude, he killed it. He was amazing. I I love the animals. I
1: love the way he sings. Oh,
0: so good. How's Um, the Rising Sun? um,
1: Dude. One of the first concerts I went – well, the very first concert I went to, uh, the headliner was – this was at the Shrine uh, Exposition Hall. The Grammys were uh, better at the Shrine. uh, it was <laughs> Iron Butterfly. They had a uh, hit called In Vida, yes. and the opening act was Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh they had a hit called Susie Q.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And uh, shortly after that, I went to my second concert, and uh, the headliner was Eric Burton and the Animals. Oh, my God. It was uh, late 68 or early 69. Wow. And I remember them doing a song called Monterey, which they had written after the Monterey Pop Festival yeah. of 1968. Yeah. And uh, the uh, opening uh, uh, band was Stepping Wolf. Oh,
0: my God. All bands that I love. Yeah. Um, John Kay, unbelievable. Right. Incredible. Dude, I think, uh, and obviously Fogarty and Credence, and, I mean, all these bands are so amazing. Now, a funny story about Iron Butterfly. Um, I can't remember the lead guitar player's name. Uh, they Dan? had
1: different ones. I mean, later on there was like a Mike Panera. And, Who was and, the early
0: guy? But yeah. supposedly, in a Gotta was really in the Garden of Eden.
1: Yeah, I heard that too.
0: That that supposedly yeah. that was the original yeah. like concept for that record.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there was. But a, they lived out here. Yeah, there was a band called Funk Attack, and this band used to play at this club on Melrose called Fellini's. It was an Italian restaurant. Mm. And Lee Thornburg played in this band, and this other guy who sang with Kenny Loggins was in this band, and one of the guys from Iron Butterfly played guitar in this band.
1: Uh, Ron. Ron, Yeah. um,
0: Yeah, that's his name.
1: Ron Green. Yeah. I met Ron Green uh, uh, about a decade ago.
0: Yeah, Ron Green. But that that was an example, and that's the great thing about living in L.A., is you've got these people that... Are session guys but they're working touring musicians and they've been in various yeah. bands you know it's like going to see a band uh, like i'm going to go sunday night to see ringo star and steve Lukather's in the all-star band of course you is. know what i mean so it's so he's great killer. he's an olympic guitar player <laughs> he, he is yeah. but it's so killer living in a town i mean l.a i hope people realize what incredible session players we have in l.a and the classical players too i mean i i put our orchestral players up the la phil up against anyone i know that in london i know that prague i know a lot of great orchestras across the world and many other cities but i'm telling you man la has got the players in every genre jazz i mean everything dude killer i mean we're so so blessed do you ever listen to um jazz on the Latin side was ho- with Jose Riso on oh, 88.1. Oh, Saturdays.
1: Saturdays. Dude, he's so amazing, dude. Or maybe it's Friday nights. Yeah, too. he, had,
0: he yeah. works with like Poncho Sanchez yeah. and they have like the Sinison All-Stars and then Andy Garcia has his band. I love that show. Yeah, it's a really good show. And then there'd be like nothing but the blues. If you guys haven't listened yeah. to this station, you got to listen to 88.1 because they also do they do jazz. It's K-jazz. But they yeah. also do nothing but the blues.
1: There's the Jerry Shirell show. Jerry Shirell, so late, good. Late Saturday nights and, and Sunday mornings, he does his Sinatra show. Dude, so, and he knows so a good. lot. He's an encyclopedia.
0: So many good shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I'm forgetting all the names of these people that I want to remember right now because obviously I have early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Wait, it's just, I, my theory about that is that your hard drive gets full. I think when you get older. I think if
1: I (laughs) want to push something new in, I have to let let a couple of other things (laughs) drop out.
0: You have to get rid of something. We can't really back up our brain. It's too. You know, that would be, you know, people listening to this, scientists, doctors, please come up with a way for us to back up our brains and partition stuff so we can use all that rest of our brain that you tell us we're not using so that we can store memories. But um, yeah, I think it's just, it's so cool to talk to somebody. Who, I mean, you didn't ever really left your passion. I'm sure you always no, played music, going. but you know, reality comes in. You're raising a family. You have to work, and you, you know, work. And I'm sure you get tired. And it's you know, you come home from your aerospace job. I don't know that you know you're playing for five or six hours. You probably got. But to no, come I would back work.
1: I worked long hours, and and for me, uh, you know, when I was young, there was a fork in the road, and maybe I could have. Maybe there were other forks in the road, but um, I I. Uh, I was really lucky uh, uh, to um, uh, get the education uh, that I – I mean, if I had grown up in Bakersfield, I would have gone to another school. Sure. Uh, it just turned out that UCLA is one of the best universities in the world for mathematics. Yeah. Um, and so that's luck. Yeah. Because I just – I grew up here. Right place, and right And I happened time. to go there. I didn't know how good it was until right. – I was there for a few years,
0: right? Uh, and but you had a supportive family. I mean, I'm I'm sure that Arlene always knew that you had this love of music and that you always played and you always wrote songs. And and having someone yeah. encourage that it's really important, you know, having a partner that encourages your your dreams. Yes, yeah, she has. You and, know, uh, people don't realize that's been... that's important.
1: Yeah, and she does uh, support it to this day.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, you couldn't. You, it would be too it's hard. It's just like know.
1: who I am.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's an like. integral part of who you are. And I think a lot of people, when they make these life decisions, like, for example, you chose to go into to mathematics and aerospace and go, and go into what you did, but you never weren't a musician. You never, like, you were always Nick, and, yeah. and Nick always loved music. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people that think they have to give up one to do the other and I don't think that's true I think people are fully capable of of, of doing more than one thing you know it's,
1: I've known um, people limit themselves a, a, a number of people out of the math department in, in UCLA like uh, uh, one is uh, professor Robert Green. I think at one point in his life he had to decide am I going to Princeton or Juilliard
0: heavy that's a heavy decision okay. <laughs>
1: yeah uh and he went to princeton uh, and he went to princeton yeah uh and then and then ultimately uh uc berkeley uh, uh i remember there was a professor i think his last name was white he was an opera singer uh there was professor uh gordon we called him razzle dazzle gordon he might have been <laughs> part of the gordon Gin family or whatever there you but go. he played classical piano yeah um uh, a uh, a friend and colleague of, of mine, um, he graduated out of the math department uh, at UCLA with a Ph.D. He's now at the Aerospace Corporation.
0: He plays classical piano. There you go. See, this I'm like saying people... I mean, the people in your life that you think that you're pigeonholing into a box, like they're in this space, you know, don't discount the getting to know the people in your life. I mean, I'm finding doing these podcasts, I'm learning so much about people. I knew a little bit about Nick's background and I knew that Nick had gone into aerospace, but you find out so much because you realize music was always there. It didn't go anywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? It was sit- it was sitting, percolating, and waiting. For me, it was music first. And yeah. my
1: uh, my friends at the time and family, you know, when I was young, you know, like uh, college age, they thought it was weird that I switched and I took this other fork in the road.
0: Well, you probably felt uh, like it was a responsible thing to do to make a living with a family. Well, um,
1: but plus, I thought it was really interesting.
0: Well, there you go. You had to love I it. I mean, yeah, I, I really good. liked it. Well, that that's an even better bonus. You know, that was right? that was
1: the reason I did it. I just thought it was really interesting. Cool, you thought it was cool. And, and uh, I I was good at it.
0: That and, doesn't hurt. And
1: uh, <laughs> you know, I, after a while, I figured out uh, that I I really needed to be at my very best to succeed. Uh, because, like I said, when I first. Um, uh, uh, Attended UCLA. You didn't apply yourself? No, as everybody's smarter than me, I, uh, holy mackerel, I really have to, uh, uh, again, be my best and, yeah. and really study and and, uh, give up some of the fun and partying yeah, and that sort of thing. I, I and don't hit think the I books. applied
0: myself in college as best as I could have. I'll admit that right now. <laughs> well,
1: you're a sharp cookie, though, I don't I, know. and I respect that.
0: Oh, I respect you, too. I, um, I think it's so important, and 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 that's why it's called Trade Secrets. You get the double entendre here. Yeah. I think it's so important that people understand that there's so many different ways to create. There's so many different ways to make your mark in the music industry. You know, I'm not a musician, but I love my job. I have this great career. I get to run this incredible cathedral of creativity. I always say that uh, I'm a curator of a working museum, you know. Candace,
1: so. <laughs> today you are a legend. Oh,
0: no, I don't think that's true. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, you are.
0: I don't uh, know about that.
1: Everybody knows Candace, Everybody loves Candice. Oh. Uh, you're an institution into yourself. I should
0: be in an institution. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my assistant, which is really, we have to come up with a different title for Keith. He needs to be master of the known universe or something, or yeah. lord of all he surveys. Master of his domain. Yeah, because he's an incredible engineer. Uh, he works with me in the office, poor thing. Yeah. But he's also a trombonist. You know, and I think that we need to get him back on that trombone. We need it. We're looking at. We're looking at Keith. <laughs> yes, yeah we love the Keith. studio. We By the these, way,
1: he's he, he he's a great engineer. He does fabulous work with us. Dude,
0: he's my husband's engineer too. I'm telling you, my husband is not easy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was here last week, and and uh, uh, Keith is doing a great job for
0: us yeah we don't want his head to get too big but he's a great engineer he He is is. he's really good engineer and and that's an example of someone who had a PhD or rather sorry masters in trombone yeah right and then goes to recording school and you know we're all knuckleheads but goes to recording school and then comes here as an intern becoming an assistant engineer and the owner's son was my assistant Blake who you know and I said, man, I, and Blake was going to split and do marketing for the parent company. I'm like, man, I need a good assistant. And uh, those of you who are listening, I, you know, female wants a male assistant, you know, yeah. whatever. It's not a yeah. sexist thing. I just feel comfortable. Three brothers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there were other people I probably could have plucked and groomed, but I wanted someone who had an engineering background. Because what little engineering background I have in my career starting out. That my older brother taught me before I became a booker and before I became a manager was unbelievably helpful in my career because you understand the language you understand what people are talking about and I knew that I needed someone by my side in the office that was an mm-hmm. engineer so we love Keith Keith's awesome Keith is the uh, re- engineer for trade secrets so uh, if you don't like the way it sounds uh, right Keith at eastweststudio.com. studio.com <laughs> anyway um, but yeah, no, he's so, so talented. But that's, I'm just saying, that's a classic example. Like, people don't know that Keith has a master's in trombone. You know what I mean? It's crazy. You know? He's a very bright guy. Nick, Nick is a doctor of mathematics, and he's a badass guitar player and a songwriter and performer. That's, so, that's, <laughs> so there you go.
1: More generous than I deserve. Oh, I, I love your music. But,
0: oh, I, I love your music. Thanks, man. So, uh, is there anything new and exciting besides these live shows? Is there any... I mean, are you... Are you, I'm sure you're always writing. Do you have stuff that you haven't recorded yet? Do you have stuff you're working on? What are, uh, what are you
1: doing, Nick? Well, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> working on uh, some uh, songs that uh, Keith recorded with us uh, uh, last week and uh, the session before when we were here.
0: Are we going to let um, cats out of well, the bag if we say know, song I, titles?
1: At one point, I... Uh, Uh, Said to myself this about a month ago that uh, I've Played slow blues songs written by other people right and I thought okay Why don't I write one and? Then I'll record it release it and I don't have to like pay royalties to some other writer, right right (laughs) and uh, So I did that you know for the first time, you know, I I I tend to write like rock blues songs or American songbookish kind of songs, but never a, a one four five slow blues oh, song. Oh, really? And so uh, I thought, you know, this is time while I still have uh, uh, the energy and whatnot, and and it came together, and I'm you know kind of happy about.
0: What's that. the name of this blues song?
1: I haven't named it yet. I, right now, I'm just calling it the blues tune.
0: <laughs> the blues track. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I think stylistically, I mean, I've heard your stuff, but I think there's a lot of different influences in there. Well, I mean, yeah, there's I mean... jazz influence. There's not, like you said, blues. There's, yeah, American songbook is a good reference. Um, all stuff that appeals to me, that's for sure.
1: Well, that's really no, that's true. Of you,
0: it's true. I honestly. mean, I, I, I don't want to ever say there's no genre. I listen to lots of different kind of music, and I think we all do. I, I don't really listen to death metal. That's not, that's not that there's anything wrong with death metal. It's just not my thing. Yeah, or speed metal is not my thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm the same I, way. Yeah, it's just not my vibe, but. Every now and then I'll go, like, I had, like, a Zydeco kick not that long ago yeah. where I was listening Why to not? a lot of Zydeco. And I was like, okay, that's cool, you know. And then you listen to, like, what was it the other day someone was laughing uh, because there was accordion on, like, a hip-hop track. And I was like, this is so awesome, you know what I mean? I, acc- accordion's hard, right? It's, it's I think all instruments are hard, but it's it really, when you hear someone who can really play accordion, it's like, wow. How cool is that it's like hearing someone play the theremin you know it's like yeah, I agree so crazy and so cool I so I I think it's awesome and I love it when we were we keep bringing this up but I love it when people who are in a younger generation they hear something that appeals to them I know I know that LP sales are out you know out the roof now they say that album sales are higher almost than they've ever been which is good that's that's heartening to me that people are buying Physical, I mean, I listen to Spotify. It's and, and, yeah, it's tactile. You, you turn, you, you listen to the record. Yeah. You flip it over. You know, you check it out, and you.
1: What I miss from uh, uh, from the. From the... album art art. yeah yeah, the the liner notes the the, the art the photographs that are big enough so that you can actually see it not this little postage stamp thing
0: and then the inside sleeve like I remembered reading a Frank Sinatra one and it was about a session that he did in Studio One here and (laughs) this is the inside sleeve so this is you know pull the record out and I forget who the writer was his name was Hal something but he wrote liner notes for all the artists of that time and it was, like, crazy. It was like, and the woman walked into the studio in a blue fur coat, and Mr. Sinatra autographed her ankle. <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I read an
1: obituary about a liner note guy, and, and he uh, did some of the Sinatra records, and, but he would tell a story. I want, yeah, I, wonder, know, if the the music- I wonder if it's the same guy. The are, musicians are, are wondering whether they sh- can put their hand out and shake Mr. Sinatra's <laughs> hand. Was, I, I wonder if it's got to be
0: the same guy. Yeah. i think his first name was Hal, but yeah it was so fascinating and so i champion everybody listening to all kinds of music don't limit yourself those of you who are listening to this if you i mentioned the word zydeco if you don't know what that is go check it out you know listen to some frank sinatra you know listen to some hip-hop listen to you know to me
1: listen to country yeah
0: listen to country listen to everything marty
1: stewart show i watch marty stewart show reruns dude uh, uh, on Saturday afternoon, I used to watch
0: Porter Wagner growing up.
1: I love... Dolly
0: Parton was on I, Porter Wagner.
1: Yeah.
0: Played... I remember... I'd never seen uh, a lady... Uh, she played mandolin. You know? And I was like, oh my God, Dolly Parton is such an amazing player.
1: Oh, she is. She can play anything. Yeah. And
0: Bonnie Raitt also, too. But so yeah. many people in so many genres. And I like it when people sort of snatch or incorporate like something from one musical style and put it into their own. You know what I mean?
1: I think that's the way of the world. That's that's what people do in all fields. I is hope that so. you learn from other people and you incorporate that and and you make it your own. Yeah. And uh sometimes you make something totally new out of all of that.
0: Right. I mean uh I think doesn't rap stand for is it rhyming in poetry or rhythm in I, poetry? I, I don't know. I think that's what it actually stands for. Mm. I believe that's what it actually stands for. Mm-hmm. And so someone like a Tupac Shakur, if you go back and you just read the lyrics, unbelievable poet. Like, really good poet. like And a really um, a gem of a guy. I had, was, I had the pleasure of meeting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, God rest his soul. But he was great. Yeah. So the message to take away from this today, besides the fact that you need to check out Nick Marichal, <laughs> is... Uh, it's just not to limit yourself, not to limit yourself stylistically, not to limit yourself in your life. You know, if you're if you're at that fork in the road, you know, you'll know what to do. Your gut will yeah. tell you. You know, yeah. my mom used to always say, if you flip a coin, you already know what you want the answer to be. You there know, you go. You know that you want it to be heads or tails before you flip it. Yeah. You know, she was a wise lady, my mom, Cynthia. But uh, yeah, I just want to leave you guys with that. You know, please open up your hearts and your minds and listen to all kinds of different music. And you musicians out there, don't limit yourselves.
1: Candace, yeah. you're right. And thanks so much for having me on your <laughs> it's a show. Pleasure. And uh, so you're fun. great.
0: No, you're the greatest. No, and, it's know, so we fun. We love you. I love you. And it's so fun to learn about people. That's what I'm finding. as I learn so much about people. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us for Trade Secret. We appreciate you.